you have a friend named Millie. She is kind, caring, and you know for a fact she's never harmed anybody, and of course she deserves only the best. But five minutes ago, an earthquake struck her town and her home collapsed. She's buried inside with a broken leg, but alive. So for Millie, what's going to be the difference between life and death? Welcome to the Impactivism Podcast, where we explore how each of us, as individuals, can get better at doing good. I'm your host, Logan Sullivan, and this is episode number two. A 7.0 earthquake rarely does much damage in America. We have the infrastructure and our building regulations protect each of us from catastrophe. But by no fault of her own, Millie wasn't so fortunate. Now, neighbor number one tried to call 911 as soon as she heard Millie's cry, but phones were down. So she asked about her injury, understanding that a broken leg is neither life-threatening nor extremely urgent. She tells Millie to stay still and assures her that they are going to find a way to get her out of there. While pacing through the yard with a critical eye, the neighbor spots a small opening within the fallen wreckage and possibly an opportunity to pull Millie to safety. She knows she has time to run to her shed to grab some rope and continues to dial 911 all the while in case phone service returns. And meanwhile, neighbor number two arrives to hear Millie and immediately starts to dig up the debris as fast as he can. He is scared for Millie and wants nothing more than to help her escape, and clearly his intentions are entirely altruistic. Unfortunately, he didn't pause to think this through, and while digging frantically with the best possible intentions, he collapses the debris, and Millie can no longer escape. You can admire the man's incredible selflessness and bravery, risking his well-being in an attempt to heroically dig her out with nothing but his bare hands and positive intentions. Yet at the same time, you're forced to acknowledge that in one world where critical thought prevailed and positive intentions were applied rationally, your friend is alive. And in another world with an abundance of good intentions but less analysis, she may not be. Unfortunately, the difference between rationally applied good intentions and irrationally or irrationally applied good intentions It often is the difference between life and death. It rarely plays out this straightforwardly and it's almost never this close to home, but simply because the consequences sit behind some level of abstraction or are far enough out of sight to remain out of mind, this does not make them any less real. All over the world, every day, right now, crises are happening. A 7.0 earthquake struck Haiti back in 2010 and 220,000 people died. And at this moment, over 60 million people are currently displaced after fleeing their homes due to violence, persecution, or natural disaster. More than ever in the history of humankind. Many people, many animals, many entire species, many entire ecosystems and environments, they're trapped under piling debris of some type or another. 
And if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely one of a small portion of human beings who happened to be born into a home that had no chance of collapsing from a 7.0 earthquake, and a home you'll never have to flee, into a life in which you are incredibly well-positioned on a global scale to help other humans and non-human animals escape the arbitrary circumstances that happen to collapse atop them. And if you're still listening, you likely aspire to do just that, to help find a route towards safety free of falling debris where they can tend to their injuries with care and eventually heal. So if your friend were actually in danger, you'd hope that neighbor number one arrives, not neighbor number two. And imagine for a moment that you were trapped yourself. Would you want the well-intentioned but uncritical neighbor to arrive or the strategic, thoughtful, analytical, pragmatic, rational neighbor to intervene? So I then have to ask two questions. Wouldn't you also want the exact same thing for anyone else in the world trapped beneath an unjust circumstance that arbitrarily fell atop them? The type of intervention guided by reason and aimed not at the act of doing good, but at achieving positive outcomes. And if so, when trying to do good yourself, wouldn't it just seem best to do everything that you can to aim rationally at positive outcomes, much the same. Today I want to talk about the, the importance of differentiating between the positive intentions that we bring to benevolent actions and the actual outcomes of these actions. I will likely discuss this difference quite often in future episodes, and I'm sure I have already in past episodes. So I just wanted to quickly share, you know, share this as an isolated topic of its own, just really to serve as a reminder that these two ideas are very different from one another, yet we often either group them together or mistakenly believe that they're synonyms or feel that one implies the other. We just muddle them up a lot, and this confusion can be very instrumental in preventing us from impacting positive change. So I just hope to raise awareness of this distinction, mainly because it so often seems like we mistakenly believe that positive intentions are necessarily followed by positive outcomes. But unfortunately, there may be less correlation between the two than we think. In a way, positive intentions correlate to positive outcomes to the extent that authentically wanting to do good might urge us to do a couple things. Authentically wanting to do good might urge us to remain energized and committed to the cause. It might urge us to follow through to the very end, and most importantly, it might urge us to lean towards strategic, rational tactics that make use of relevant data and information. Now, that is to say, if we have very strong positive intentions, then ideally, this encourages us to think critically. You know, think critically about how best to apply these positive intentions and to follow through with rational actions, remaining energized and critical throughout the process. We want to do our homework and be sure that everything that we're doing, you know, we're covering all the bases and we're doing as much as we can to increase the likelihood of success in our actions, of achieving an outcome. 
But if our positive intentions are missing any of these three characteristics, we're probably not going to accomplish much. Now, if we're critical and energized, but we don't follow through, we'll leave actions half done or incomplete, and incomplete actions don't usually accomplish very much. I've definitely fallen victim to this many times in the past myself. You know, having some <laughs> awesome idea of how to potentially solve a massive problem that you know many are facing and being energized and critical in that process, but not following through and thus never actually solving anything, right? And if we're ready to follow through all the way to the end and we're very critical, but we're not energized, we may accomplish some good, but we will likely be highly inefficient or our intervention you know, might just be too late in the end if we're not uh, feeling some urgency to move or having the energy to, to move quickly. And I've definitely fallen victim to this as well. I mean, after Typhoon Hoi An for one in the Philippines, you know, I thought to harness the compassion of people at home in the States that were seeing all this destruction on the news that were inclined to donate. So I wanted to create an entity that would help funnel these donations effectively. But I didn't get moving on this very quickly, and by the time I was ready to act on the idea, donations had completely run dry, and it was far too late. So again, nothing was actually accomplished. And if we're energized and we follow through, but we're uncritical or irrational, we may do a lot, but whatever we do is very unlikely to be effective in reaching the desired outcome. And I think this last combination might best reflect the heroic man who tried to save your friend. He was clearly energized and ready to follow through, but he neglected to ask you know, the very, very simple question of how best he could help save the woman without being reckless. And if he asked himself that question, he would hopefully conclude that the pile of debris was fragile and that adding additional weight to the pile by climbing atop or removing certain pieces would likely lead to the collapsing of the debris. And I think we'd all hopefully understand that as well. <laughs> okay, so so to some, this all may so far seem like complete common sense. Like we should all very clearly understand that positive intentions do not imply positive outcomes. And I 100% agree uh, this should be the case. But unfortunately, we sometimes maybe feel like outcomes are beyond our control that the world is chaotic and there's a lot of variables and all you can really do is your best. Meaning expecting anything beyond trying your hardest and here hardest does not imply smartest. But uh, expecting anything beyond trying your hardest and becoming attached to outcomes will just be self-defeating. This is great advice for your personal well-being. And managing expectations and remaining open to outcomes in just about anything in life will likely prove the healthy choice when it comes to your own happiness and well-being. And a lot of us have invested ourselves in causes in the past that proved less successful than we hoped. And as a result, we might feel a bit defeated or very rightfully pessimistic that new actions or new efforts are going to yield something that wasn't yielded so many times in the past. So again, you know, to protect ourselves, protect ourselves from this potential downside or, you know, not to be attached to an outcome, it would be productive to take the stance that 
you know, I was not in control of that negative outcome, and I'm not going to be in control of this one either. But I do care, and I have compassion for this cause, so I will maintain my passion and positive intentions, my energy, and I will act in line with them. And at least then, you know, I can sleep at night knowing I tried and that I did my best. But also, <laughs> accepting that saying I tried my best here, meaning that I exerted significant effort, or I exerted the most effort I was willing to exert, that would be doing my best, which might or might not have any correlation to exerting my smartest or most intelligent and critical or rational type of effort. And in the end, this is very understandable and admirable and objectively virtuous to continue to fight for what we believe, even after we've been beaten down so many times. But when we take this approach and concede that outcomes are beyond our control, the objective is no longer the change itself. The objective isn't to you know, create an impact, but rather the objective is the act of doing something at all. But an action should be the modality through which we achieve our objective, a means to an end, right? Yet here we make the well-meaning action and the exertion of an effort of any type, whether it's smart and critical or not, we make that the end in itself that we're seeking, if that makes sense. So in other words, we're not, we're not trying necessarily to change something in the world. We're trying to, we're trying to try, right? We're trying to come to a point where we can say to ourselves that we exerted effort and we don't add a quality to that effort related to how intelligent or wise or practical or um, pragmatic or effective that actually is. And I think that, you know, in the absence of information, when we truly are you know, acting blindly, this approach could potentially be a positive one, you know, because throwing a dart in the dark has more than a 0% chance of hitting the bullseye, right? But it also has more than a 0% chance of hitting your friend's eye. So acting blindly is rarely a good idea. And of course, I think we all know this, and there is really no such thing as acting completely blindly anymore. There's just far too much information available on any topic, and information is too readily uh, available or accessible to us. And there is a great deal of uncertainty when it comes to foreseeing the results of pretty much anything that we do in life. And when trying to do some good in 1987, you know, that was just the reality you dealt with. You could read the newspaper, or go down to the library and do some research, but your resources for critical analysis were sparse. So you could only expect to critically analyze so much before you had to take an action and make a slightly educated guess as to what would be the most effective way about achieving an impact. But luckily, it's 2017, and if you're listening to this podcast, you have access to the internet. And on the internet, you can sift through the misinformation and find reliable evidence and resources to help guide you in choosing effective actions, you know, those that achieve the results you hope for. You can learn from repeated mistakes of the past, from counterintuitive lessons learned the hard way, and you can avoid making these mistakes. 
persisting problem that seems to be relatively unique to our benevolent actions is that they usually lack the valuable asset of negative feedback. You know, negative feedback when our actions were ineffective or unsuccessful. No mechanism usually is in place to alert you when you've donated to an ineffective nonprofit or you volunteered your time very inefficiently or when you expended lots of mental energy avoiding a product that isn't actually harmful or maybe you spent a lot of extra money on a product that isn't much more ethical than the alternative. And there seems to be a cycle here. You know, we do not see the negative impact and we do not seek the negative impact. So which one is more dominant? Is, it, is the negative impact unavailable to see because there, you know, there will not be a demand for it? Or is there no demand because we've just become so accustomed to it not being available and as a result just don't really want to see it? Of course, negative feedback is uncomfortable and it's inconvenient and it dispositions us. And we, of course, get it in so many areas of our life, some of us more than others. Uh, I get it quite often. And when we, you know, when we buy the wrong stock, we lose money. When we take the wrong job, we realize it's unfulfilling. Or probably more often we try to pretend that we don't realize it's unfulfilling, but that's a different topic. And when we try a new hobby that we don't enjoy, we're bored. When we eat poorly, we're low energy or we gain weight. And that list goes on and on. You know, everything we do in our daily lives, it seems, tends to offer us negative feedback, except for a lot of the areas in which we, you know, expend our positive intentions. And these are all investments that we make. Right? Stocks are investments in financial returns. Jobs are hopefully investments in fulfillment, but you know, sometimes just investments in paychecks, I guess. Hobbies are investments in joy, and food is an investment in health and energy. And benevolent actions are investments too, though we don't seem to really view them this way. You know, they are investments in impact, in change, in you know, investments in positive shifts in circumstances that target uh, you know, particular beneficiaries that can use those positive shifts. You know, whether those that target is your friend you did a favor for, your neighbor you hope to save from the collapsed, collapsed building, a marginalized or exploited demographic you believe deserves justice, a non-human animal you hope to save from uh, torture, an ecosystem you hope to protect from human recklessness and greed. And instead of regarding our benevolent actions and the good intentions behind them as investments, we often see them as goals in themselves. But an investor with any remote chance of success, they don't buy a stock and celebrate the fact that they are now an investor because they took the or they, they went through the process of buying a stock, then forget about the stock forever and move on. Now their goal is to earn a return. And this requires research and ongoing analysis and strategic execution. It seems like, you know, we authentically, if we do authentically have the best intentions, then wouldn't it be reasonable to expect ourselves to approach our altruistic acts with the same amount of strategy, with the same critical thought, 
you know, with the same intelligence or applied intelligence as any other important investment that we make. But, you know, some are probably thinking this is unreasonable and maybe self-defeating and might discourage people from trying to do good if it becomes so complicated and must be strategic and require critical thoughts and, you know, this is all difficult and additional energy. But I, I really hope that's not the case. And I'm definitely not suggesting that it's unethical to try to do some good when, you know, we're capable of doing much more good. Not at all. You know, this is, this is incredible. You know, the fact that humans do care, that we stand up and we try, this is honestly what keeps me going after seeing so many reasons in the world to completely give up. And especially in the work that I've been doing and the places that I've been for most of the past decade, so many problems that have persisted for so long, so many living beings suffering and feeling like it's just completely impossible. Like there really isn't much hope at all, you know, and I'm, I'd be ready to give up. But then I see people with passion. I, I see people frustrated and I see their animated empathy come to life. I see people stand up and yell and I see people protest and write music and poetry and share their passion with others through their art form or through social media, through blogs and articles and books and podcasts. I see people come together. I see people march and I hear their voices and I see their radiating positive intentions. And this is when I know that there is hope. Now, this is when I am absolutely certain that we possess far more than enough compassion and love to change the fucking world. And God, if I didn't see this, if I didn't, <laughs> if I wasn't reminded of this so often by so many beautiful people with so much energy and passion and love and wanting so badly to do something, so badly to change something, God, I would have given up so long ago. <laughs> Thank God for that. You know, Without that, I don't know where I'd be. You know, yet this passion and this energy and animation, this is the fuel, right? This is the, the, the charged batteries, the gasoline, the energy. And I hold it. <laughs> I hold it. I'm rejuvenated and recharged and, and my tank is refilled by seeing all this. You know, both seeing the energy of others, but also feeling my compassion and my empathy inside for, you know, understanding inconvenient realities in the world and wanting to do something about it. And we just have such an overwhelming abundance of this precious, precious resource, this fuel, right? But, you know, when someone is hungry and we're trying to grow crops to feed them, you know, the mere possession of fuel and agricultural machinery, you know, possessing this, having this, that won't cultivate the soil or irrigate the land or harvest the crop or deliver the food where it needs to go to those who need it most, right? And, and 
spraying that fuel on a system that left these people hungry, you know, spraying it on uh, the other political party or the corporation or the ignorant, you know, outgroup, the people that, you know, did something wrong and they must have done it on purpose, spraying the fuel on them or, you know, pouring the fuel on the field. You know, this is even worse than leaving it in the barn or, you know, putting a match to it and just blowing it up, you know, in one massive demonstration. But if we use these positive intentions, this compassion, this love and this empathy that we have so much of inside, if we see it as fuel that can power our most effective and efficient tools, then... (laughs) then there is no limit to what we can achieve, both collectively and individually. And that sounds cliche, you know, but really there isn't. It's incredible. You know, our potential there is absolutely without fucking question infinite. And yeah, I mean, these tools, you know, they're built from research and they're built from critical analysis and applied rationality. And they're very, very rarely, you know, built from emotions or built from the fuel themselves. I think many of these tools exist. They're available now. You know, they are the frameworks for understanding issues and frameworks for addressing issues. You know, they are the data and the research confirming you know, with relative certainty that one action is more impactful than another. And, you know, that tool is available to look up. They are the to read about in a book or an article or a research paper if we really, really want to, to you know, I don't know, do the research. They are the technologies that we possess, our smartphone and the internet and, and the outreach that we have. They are the platforms that allow us to reach the entire rest of the world. And there's so many more. And definitely this podcast is certainly dedicated to exploring as many of these tools as, as, as I can find and as many you know tools as you guys can share with me so I can look them up a little bit more, do some research, and find the, the best person in the world to come and teach me and teach everyone else, teach all of you about you know, that particular tool. So definitely on that note, share comments. Tell me what tools exist. Uh, Write me Facebook posts. uh, Write comments in the podcast. And I'll I'll look into all of them. Again, this is my learning platform too. So teach me, show me, guide me. Uh, And I, I think other tools, you know, they exist as potential, right? They're the future ideas yet to be actualized that might exist in one of your heads or many of your heads right now in the abstract but are being developed and being formulated and the structure is is gaining some i don't know some support from more information more data more understanding all these results of curiosity you know heated right i think their future ideas they're they're the discoveries and the innovations too, the inventions, and they're ready to be built and shared for free with others, right? So again, I think we already possess infinitely, 
more fuel and compassion than it would ever take to change any circumstance if we identify and employ the right tools. I know that sounds like even talking about it right now, it kind of lowers my energy level. I I feel, (laughs) I don't know, less, definitely less energized when I have to talk about such pragmatic things and it does take away a little bit. But then I step back for a moment and I think about how (laughs) incredible it actually is to impact something, not just think about impact something or not just try to impact something. So to know that by utilizing these tools, this pragmatic approaches, it can really make that difference. It feels good too. And then that can energize me in a very different way, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I might have <laughs> gotten a bit off topic there, a little carried away. But I guess, you know, one starting point for all of this is to commit to shifting our outlooks on our benevolent actions, to to make sure that the positive intentions are always alive, that they're there and intensified and they maintain themselves, but that positive impact remains the objective. never be in full control of the outcomes or impact of our actions. But some critical thought goes a long way in pushing us down the spectrum from you know these blind dart shots in the dark, you know, towards educated, calculated estimations. Although probably never be perfectly accurate, but neither is any other investment really. Nothing is a sure deal, but That doesn't mean because you're not 100% certain that one way is the absolute right way, one way is guaranteed to have a return, you take your edge and you leverage that and you understand where, you know, that uncertainty is alive, but it's mostly accounted for, right? And because it's 2017 and we have more resources and information in our disposal than anyone could have imagined, you know, was possible just a generation ago. And all this coupled with your abundance of positive intentions and compassions and, you know, you're simply more capable to impact the world than ever before. Than ever before. So without devaluing the importance of positive intentions... Just recognize that outcomes only follow intentions when this positivity is implied intelligently and effectively, or at least most of the time. Maybe we can get lucky from time to time. But with that in mind, just remember that benevolent actions are a means to an end, and that if we really do care and want to be a part of making the world a better place, then impact should always remain the objective. All right. Thank you so much for getting this far in the episode and hearing out these ideas. Uh, If you have any ideas of your own to share on this particular topic, you can definitely leave a comment on Facebook or via Twitter at Impactivism. And if you like this episode, 
please consider subscribing on iTunes, or you can find us also on SoundCloud and subscribe there. And if you really liked the episode, uh, leaving a review on iTunes really goes a long way to give some visibility to the podcast and just to help in general spread the, these ideas a little bit further. And if you've never left a review before, you can find uh, details on how to go about doing that on logansullivan.com, which also has all the links and uh, a page dedicated to the podcast with all the episodes posted as well. So I really, really appreciate your support in all of this. I'm looking forward to reading your messages and to having some conversations. And one more note, if you have any recommendations of guests that I could bring onto the podcast to interview and have a conversation, or if you're interested in uh, joining the podcast to have a conversation as well, definitely look me up on Facebook and send me a message and uh, we can see what we can do. And a big thank you to Hana, the violinist, who has given me permission to use her beautiful, beautiful music throughout the podcast. She is one of my very favorite musicians, so if you liked any of the music in this episode, definitely check her out. Uh, all of her details are in the show notes at logansullivan.com. So that's all. Uh, thanks again, you awesome, awesome people, and I'll be back with much more every Monday and every Wednesday. Thank you.